Oh, hey, everybody. Thank you for coming out. Uh, it's I'm a skeleton, and my brother's a skeleton, and I guess you could say there, there's no bones about it. <laughs> Am I right? I have a boner. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's my brother, you know, always going for those bones jokes. Hey, speaking of bones, guess what my favorite TV show on television is? It's Bones! Am I right, everybody? That show makes my boner hard. Okay, all right, buddy. Um, oh, man. I, wow, you guys tried the buffet at this casino? Huh? It's odd. It just sticks to my ribs. You know what I'm saying? Sticks to my ribs. I had a rib removed so I could suck my own boner. (laughs) We fight meta monsters and dodge bullet hell bad guys in indie RPG Undertale this week on How Did This Get Played? Welcome to How Did This Get Played, the show where we discuss the worst and weirdest games of all time. I'm Nick Weiger, along with Heather Ann Campbell. I'm Heather Ann Campbell, along with Matt Apodaca. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone, and welcome back, Bucket. Guys, we have a game that warrants a lot of discussion today. I'm going to stop saying any sort of judgment up top in terms of the game, because I feel like that... It just, I don't want to bias the conversation by saying we got a weird one or like we got a real stinker on our hands. I'm just going to say with this game, but this game, there is a lot to talk about in this game. But before Mm -hmm. we get into that and before we introduce our guest, it is time, as we always do, before we descend into gaming hell, to first spend 70 seconds in gaming heaven. Abadaka, let us know when to begin. Begin. So I thought, since we're talking about a game that is heavily inspired by JRPGs, that we could talk a little bit about some of our favorite non-Final Fantasy JRPGs. Final Fantasy comes up a lot, but I mean, there are other ones out there. And mm-hmm. and Heather, I, you know, I mean, you know the, I know you're a big Suikoden fan. Yeah, there's a sequel coming out for Suikoden, and I'm really excited about it. Uh, I... I mean, like, I have nothing but fond memories about that game. There were 108 characters. You could build a castle. What's there to... Okay, so Secret of Mana. There's another mm-hmm. one I like. Uh, the Mother Mother 3, among my favorite games of all time. Um, I don't know. You say some, Nick. I, say some. I, you know, a recent one. I mean, I've, I've, I haven't played all of the Dragon Quest series, but the w- entries I've played, I've really enjoyed, uh, which include four and five. I played the remakes of those that were eventually ported out. Ported. I mean, four was four was ported to NES. Um, I mentioned I played Dragon Warrior back in the day. Uh, Dragon Warrior Eleven is fucking transcendent. All right. Wow. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> 
By the way, I saw a Dragon War- Dragon Quest One, aka Dragon Warrior in North America speedrun last week that blew my mind. Wow. It was like the most staggering achievement I've ever witnessed a human being carry out. It was it was it was incredible. This dude like dissected the game and got through the entire quest in uh, under 30 minutes and told you every single thing he was doing as he was doing it. Like just was saying like, "All right, I'm going to wait until this frame and then I'm going to press this button and then walk to this tile." And like was so calmly explaining every single thing that he did. I'm going to find the name of the 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 streamer so I can shout him out. But I was just I was like I was like it made me feel like I wasted my life. <laughs> he did it so, in 30 minutes. Like, he did yeah, he wow. did the whole game in like a half hour. This is fucking incredible. That's yeah. That's amazing. Uh, NES Cardinality is the streamer who wow. who t- did it. He did it live. This is the other thing. He did it live at a at a, a games done quick at Awesome Games Done Quick in 2018. And so there was like a live audience, and this guy was just completely unrattled. Just told you exactly what he was going to do as he was doing it. It was it was unbelievable. Um, anyway, so, check that out if you haven't. I, I, so I, I your goal my- is to like be that calm and that like that stoic. Is that your, why is this exciting to you, Nick? It's so good. It was so good. <laughs> he was so good. at. He was like, that was the best you could possibly be at this particular task. And he, it was just like complete mastery of one specific piece of culture. And I was just I like, this is, uh, this is unbelievable. I find this so charming. Nick's really excited. <laughs> this guy rules. He's my hero. Uh, but hey, you know who else rules? Returning to the show, our guest this week, a writer, comedian, and actor from College Humor and Adam Ruins Everything, Zach Oyama is back. Hi, Zach. Hello. Hello, uh, good Zach. Good to be back. Uh, often also referred to as a master of culture. Zach, I know you're someone who plays games. We have non-gamer guests. We have gamer guests. I know you fall, you fall more into the gamer category. What have you been playing lately? Oh gosh. Um what have I been playing like I got that like um that bundle that I think uh this podcast even posted something about for like I think they had like a NAACP fund yeah Razor mm-hmm. kind mm-hmm. of thing. H.io. Uh, yeah, that had like a ton of games in it. Um and so the last game that I've been playing was Celeste, which was Hell in yeah. that, which is really fun. I'm on the last level of that. Um, and then outside of that, like, uh, you know, just been like, I, I kind of got really into streaming over the quarantine just cause I had, uh, you know, not a ton else to do. And, uh, it was, I, I was playing like a lot of animal crossing on that. And then, uh, just that made me like play other more social games. Like been playing like a lot of rocket league with friends and some other like shooter games with people just because it's. A way better way to hang out with people than Zoom chats. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you can only do so much Jackbox when it comes to social right. gaming. Um, totally. I wa- I, but wait, I, I had specifically bullet pointed Celeste as a, as a topic of conversation because that's a game oh. I love and uh, yeah. and played the shit out of it on Switch. Um, and But like, you know, a, another game with a with a throwback aesthetic, a very different art style. But I just felt like the gameplay is so tight in that game and and it's yeah. challenging, but it never feels unfair. Right. Like it's like impossible. But the fact that you like don't have a certain amount of lives, like and you always start at the beginning of like each little chunk is like it's like 
so frustrating and not frustrating for that reason. And also it's just like it's it's very smooth, like you're saying. Yeah, I, I they I'd read something that about they they'd done they'd done like just a ton of tweaking to the physics in terms of how the character controls, and that's that's how it feels so precise. Uh but yeah, that that's a big thing for me is that, you know, it's a game that is it doesn't punish failure all that much. And, you know, people have different feelings about that, but I I I, I kind of feel like with a game like that, just like a minimal reset is it keeps it engaging. It doesn't feel like, oh, well, shit, I have to retread all this ground to try to make this particular jump. It's just like, no, I just have to figure yeah. out this screen and then I can care. Then I can continue. But Heather, you're someone who loves challenge in a game. I figure I think you might have a different opinion on that. On Celeste? No, just on on, on how punishing the, the difficulty level should be. Hmm. Well, I mean. I, it depends on the game. I, oh God! I feel like I was just <laughs> cornered my whole life. Gotcha. My whole life. <laughs> gotcha. I'm, I'm, I've been gotcha. No, I feel like I I enjoy a game when it has an extreme difficulty, right? But right. that has to be the point of the game. Like okay. the game has to be designed for a punishing difficulty. I don't. I don't know. Hmm. Here's a question. Hmm. Uh. I don't know if I enjoy Gran Turismo, even though arguably it has an extremely high difficulty because it feels like the point of the game is realism, Mm. not difficulty. Whereas the point of Dark Souls or even Mega Man games is the difficulty itself, right? Mm. I don't like it when difficulty is a side effect of something else. Isn't driving a car at a very high level extremely difficult? Like, that's a thing that, you know, it's... It's a, if it's meant to be a simulation, I kind of get it from that standpoint. I, I mean, I don't like Gran Turismo either, but that's because I just don't like driving games all that much. And that's mm. lar- more because I don't like driving in general. Mm. Um, but I, but I, I, I don't know. I can kind of square that with the game's overall design philosophy. Yes. No, I agree. Yes. No, I'm not saying that. I don't know what I'm saying. Please, please <laughs> stop asking questions like that. Gotcha. I, I, I like. I think I like um, that amount of certain games to have like a like like Super Mario Odyssey. Like when you're trying mm. to do, uh, or like even Breath of the Wild. Like when you're doing those sort of like trialy kind of things at the end that are like yeah. this is sort of bonus content just to like 100 percent the game. Uh, like that like last um, episode and or episode a level in Mario Odyssey where it's like kind of all encompassing for every like. You kind of go through like it's like a it feels like a 15 minute level where you're just like, yeah, you're sweating the whole time. (laughs) Yeah. And there's like no reset except for the beginning. That's like a horrible reset that also makes it it does make it really satisfying to beat. Yeah. Yeah. Is that one of the moon levels? Yeah, I think it's dark side of the moon or darker side of the moon. Darkest side. Yeah. Whatever the last one of those is. Yeah. Yeah. I I Uh, mean, and that was one where it's just like this insane gauntlet and I started to play it and I was like. All right, I get what this is, and I was just like, I'm, I'm gonna why I, like I could spend a day or, or two just like just getting every getting my muscle memory all aligned to do this, but I, I'd rather play something else at this point, even though I love that game. Um, but mm. speaking of bonus content, Celeste similarly has like the you know the that main levels are challenging enough, but then it also has the B sides, um, and right. which you which you get, and then that, that's just like a whole other, uh, yeah. a different threshold. I beat like the. I guess I'm not sure if there's multiple B sides or whatever, but I beat one of the things that's like 
this is like an early iteration of the game. And you just like kind of have to like go through the entire early version of the game. Uh, and I just thought I had to do it. I thought it was just part of the game, <laughs> but like spent like three hours just beating whatever that was. Zach, what's the most challenging game you think you've ever completed? Gosh, that's a, I mean, like, I, I don't think I have that many like deep cut, like uh, indie games or something on, on my radar. I feel like the most recent one, hmm, it's a, it's a tough question. I think I, I, like beating, that like final boss in Hollow Knight was very satisfying. Uh, like the like kind of hidden last boss of that game. Um, but yeah, Hollow Knight's pretty challenging. I, I Hollow yeah. Knight, I was like a in another indie game that everyone's like that. I I've heard nothing but raves about, and mm-hmm. it, it's it's. I feel like it's like the wire of games, and that everyone's like it's it's really good, but you have to give it like five hours and I just would have played it for a little bit and just it it didn't really hook me I need to go back to it at some point because I know it's 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 another one of those games that I know I'll love I love Metroidvanias too I love that genre um but yeah that game has a that game has a pretty notorious difficulty level um uh, but but wait wait, you mentioned you mentioned speaking of of difficulty and speaking of of you know uh challenges and uh as far as external challenges go Mm-hmm. Uh, Twitch streaming is a whole different level, a whole different complication towards playing games. And I, for one, and this is part of why that that speed run just absolutely like made my brain explode, is that I <laughs> like I can't play games as well when people are watching me. I have become very, very conscious of the audience, and I'm you know uh, I get performance anxiety in that context. Do you find your gaming is affected when you're Twitch streaming versus when you're gaming in private? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, like I was playing Celeste on stream recently, and like that, I can kind of deal with just because you lock into it so easily and yes. you like reset so much. Um, but like, there are certain things that like I just don't feel comfortable playing on a stream. Like I, like I've been playing whatever the most recent Call of Duty game is, but like. I just like hate the idea of a hundred people watching me, like you know, just like shooting people. <laughs> you know? It's just like it's just so violent in this like right. like just kind of dark feeling way that like uh, even though it's like a really like well designed game in a lot of ways, like it just like the aesthetic is so tough, and that's what I've, I kind of bump up against. Um, but yeah, like what other games? I feel like certain games are like even yeah when you have to like kind of like zone out in a in a weird way to play them like it just like makes managing a conversation really hard right and yeah and that's what i feel like i i, I feel like it's more that rather than like performance wise i am worse at the game yeah um, right you having to maintain a a a dialogue with your with your yeah. chat um which again and he has cardinality no problem <laughs> he just fucking did it like it was nothing you're front like row a, in that in that video, right? Like you're you're at the <laughs> game show. Going, Man, I wish what a feat to witness it in person. He gets a standing O. It's, 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 it's unbelievable. Um, so you got so, but with but but you know with this game, the game we're discussing this week is not particularly challenging. Although it is a, from a genre that some that has some more challenging in, entries. But are you someone who likes RPGs specifically, JRPGs, Jack? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I played, uh, you know, like, pretty much all the, like, standard, like, Final Fantasy VII and uh, 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 
Breath of Fire 3, right? Like that was like a mm-hmm. PlayStation one. Um, and I think I had Secret of Ma- uh, Mana, but like I I never beat it. I think I, th- I bought like too many of them at the same time, and then it was like daunting to play all of them. Mm. Oh um, yeah. Uh, and then like you know I was a, a a child, and my parents had limitations on the games I was playing in terms of how long I could play, and so that was like you, if you sit down for like an hour max, like it just it would take forever to play any of those games. I feel like. Do you think parents now, if their kids are really good at video games, is there like I I don't have any anecdotal experience with this. Is there like an encouragement factor now that's like, oh, man, our kid could be a millionaire from from being good at this game or they could go into game development or like or is it still the same old, same old like get off that Nintendo or a, or it's gotta be you're grounded. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it probably depends on the generation of the parents if they're even aware of like like of the existence of Twitch streaming or um competitive gaming or or game development as a career path, which a lot which a lot mm-hmm. of people just don't even understand that that's a thing that like there has to be a person whose job it is to make video games. Um because it, it, it is still kind of like an under the radar craft. But I, I think like I think probably I, I would guess younger parents are one hundred percent aware of that. Uh, I, yeah, there's funny. It's funny that you mentioned that because there is a Far Side comic, the old one panel uh, comic from Gary Larson back in the day. That is just like it's like a, the joke is on these proud parents are watching this kid play Nintendo and they all have these dreams about how much money he's going to be making as a as a pro video gamer. And the idea is <laughs> ha ha ha, what That'll fools they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I this- definitely feel like my parents were like that growing up, but now I don't know. I feel yeah, like my even my sister and my brother-in-law have kids that are, you know, are around 10, 10 or 12 and like uh they I know that their friends understand like what Twitch is and stuff. So right. like even if it's like a kind of a weird business model that I think at times does i feel like adam conover i think said this like it does feel a little like uber for video games uh so it's like a little like you know too much work in a lot of ways and maybe right. not as like uh as good as you'd want, like for it to be but um yeah i mean it, it would be like if there's like really popular uber drivers i think <laughs> maybe we talked about this before yeah um yeah i think there's a world for it um, I had a, uh, I, I, you know, speaking of parents and their their perception of video games, uh, so I, we, me and my brother had like hard limits as well playing on on game time growing up, and like the most busted I ever got uh, as a kid was me and my brother were playing Final Fantasy, maybe one, maybe the maybe Final Fantasy for NES, um, and my dad was taking a nap. And he had an alarm set, and we snuck, we we set his alarm for later while he was asleep, so we'd have more time playing video games. <laughs> like, don't wake daddy. Yeah, it was a, it was a literal don't wake daddy because we knew that once he woke up, he was gonna get mad at us. And he did wake up at like five p.m., like hours later than he was supposed to, and was livid. And we couldn't play Nintendo for a month. Oh, it was wow. all it was the fucking horrific punishment. Yeah. You know how long a month is for an eight-year-old boy? I just think I would have never believed that that's what would happen. Like, I would have believed I fucked up the alarm, you know? Right. 
No, he knew instantly. He knew his his kids were up to no good. (laughs) It's such a crafty like prank or a a crafty scheme. I would. I don't know if I could be mad at my kid for like outsmarting me in that way either. Maybe that's why why the punishment doesn't really fit the crime. Is that your dad was really embarrassed? (laughs) (laughs) Also, like he's tired. Like he should have been on some level. Maybe have been like, hey, you know what? I I needed that sleep. I, I I would have been grumpy today, but you really you hooked me up with a couple extra hours of the snooze. Yeah, he should have been thanking you. He should yeah. have been. All right, I'm glad we litigated this uh, 30 years after the fact. Um, but let's uh let, let's uh you know let's pivot over because speaking of eight bit RPGs, let's pivot over to this week's game Undertale. Uh, Heather, take it away. Undertale is a role playing game. Uh, developed by one person, Toby Fox. Uh, the game was released in 2015 uh, for Windows and then OS X and Linux and PlayStation 4 and PlayStation Vita and Nintendo Switch most recently. Uh, you play as a young, uh, ungendered, not genderless, but ungendered uh, child who has fallen through the earth into the underground, which is a uh, monster-filled region separated from the earth by a magic barrier. You meet monsters and uh, some of them engage you in a fight. Some of them tell you jokes. Some of them are just weird. And the fighting system itself, unlike other role-playing games where you select an attack and then it is just implemented on your enemy, this game, uh, when it comes to defense, has a mini Bullet Hell sequence. Bullet Hell is a uh, shooting genre, like where you're a little plane and the screen is full of bullets and it is more about dodging those bullets than it is about active combat. In the same way, Undertale has a uh, sort of on-screen heads-up display. You, uh, Your soul is represented by a tiny heart and you have to dodge the incoming attacks from your enemies. Unlike most role-playing games, Every, I think, every monster has the uh, uh, option of having mercy bestowed upon them and sparing their life, which is unique (laughs) to Undertale and plays into the larger story. How's that, Nick? How is that? That was pretty good, right? Yeah, it was great. I did that okay? (laughs) I mean, your goal isn't to impress me. Yeah, it always is. But it was very good. (laughs) Aren't you impressed, Nick? Uh, other games of 2015, The Witcher 3, Fallout 4, Bloodborne, the aforementioned Rocket League. Um, yes, the, the bullet hell thing, because I knew this game. I knew of this game. I knew of its reputation. I knew of its rabid fandom. Uh, and uh, and I was interested to play it just for just to like, see what all the fuss is about. And I knew that it was like kind of a, a take on an, uh, on an RPG, but I was not expecting the bullet hell. Uh, that that it, it gets pretty action-y and a, and a little frenetic at times in terms of... Yeah. In terms of the uh, the combat system, did either of you guys go into this game with any research? I went in completely blind. Only the title had I ever seen. I had ignored all of the rest of the sort of conversation about the game at at large. Did had you guys any idea what you what you were headed in for? I, I'd been peripherally aware of some of the discourse and knew that it was more that it was a game that it would the the goal of it was to uh you know 
was to befriend monsters more so than to try to to kill them. But Zach, how about you? Yeah, I, I think like someone maybe like recommended recommended it to me like on a Twitch stream and like maybe at one point saw part of it like a YouTube video of it, but like didn't really remember it. And then like I was like, I think I generally wanted to go in blind, but like I <laughs> I like to do like blind light where it's like if you miss this you'll be really mad like right. i would like to like know that kind of thing hmm. uh and so like i like i think i like searched on reddit for a second and then like the first thing i saw was like just go in blind you don't want to know anything and so after that i didn't know anything. now that no. being said if you're a listener who hasn't played undertale and you want to play undertale i wouldn't listen to this episode because a large part of the joy of undertale is the reveals in the story that are not hinted at, I think, Mm -hmm. in the beginning of the game. So this is your spoiler warning. We're now entering into a place of spoiler city. Spoiler County? You're you're the mayor of Spoiler Town. (laughs) You're in Spoiler County, y'all. You might get spoiled. (laughs) How about that, Heather? Is that the sheriff of Spoiler County? (laughs) 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 <laughs> so you you begin the game you give your child a name um and then you're you're just sort of in the the thick of it you start off in the ruins that's your yes. first location mm-hmm. yeah uh you uh you meet a um th- there's sort of a, a general tutorial uh where you meet a monster named Toriel I believe was her name who's like kind of a mother monster and yeah. she guides you through the ruins, introduces you to a few puzzle concepts and how the combat works. Uh, and then you go to her house and she sits down and has like a cup of tea. <laughs> and uh, and like it's like you, you should just stay here. Maybe don't mm-hmm. go into the rest of the game. You're not going to enjoy it as much as you enjoy this. Now, when she told you that you can spare monsters, did you guys understand how important that would be because i just kind of blew it off like oh yeah it's like sometimes you catch pokemon and sometimes (laughs) you just smash them yes i sort of thought the i i figured out more as the game progressed but i did sort of think early on of just like okay some of these monsters you befriend especially the random combats you know those are ones where you might befriend somebody but some of the boss battles no doubt you are going to have to kill some of these monsters yeah, I think I, I just realized the one other thing that I saw in in that like don't go go in blind kind of thing was like it's possible to beat the game without killing anything. So I was like, oh yeah, I guess I'll just try that, and uh, that probably informed my play. Got throughout. it. Oh, and yeah, also I didn't... before the the guy didn't we? Don't you meet Flowey? The, the yeah, flower? you meet you yeah. do meet you Flowey. meet Flowey, uh, who tells you that uh, you want to raise your level or love LV love. And that you gain uh, EXP by killing monsters. Um, and then the flower tries to kill you. And that's when creepy, you're rescued by yeah. Toriel. He's a jerk. Flowey's a jerk. Work. He's a real fucking jerk. <laughs> that <laughs> really, really scared me. I just want to say that I was I not really written. didn't like him. <laughs> <laughs> I got, like genuinely frightened <laughs> by a, a, a video game flower. Apodaca. <laughs> you... You did not finish the game yet, right? I didn't finish the game. I, I, I'm probably somewhere closer to ha- like more than halfway done. Uh, mm. But I, you know, was I scanned ahead to know what sort of what was going on. I went in 
I went in blind, but as it became closer and closer to uh, time of recording, I knew I wasn't going to finish, so I needed to just sort of know what was going to be happening. Uh, that, so I, I looked ahead a little bit. That flower comes back in a hard, a hard way. Oh yes, yeah. and uh, and that flower is deeply upsetting when it returns. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But let's keep talking about the game. So that the graphics are rudimentary eight bit graphics. And the, I think the design and uh, tone of the game seems to be heavily influenced by Earthbound and Mother. So I looked it up and sure enough, um, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of like hat tips and nods and winks to the Mother (laughs) series. Right. Um, Which you love, right? You're a big motherhead. Yeah. So here I had some, I had some conflicting feelings about this, right? Because on one hand, it's how how close so like if i'm a sketch comedian and i love monty python in the state i want to make sketches that are as good as monty python and the state right like i want to make stuff that that fucking like that is good so like i aim at the tone of those things and i aim at like the cadence of those things and then hopefully my sketches are good as a result or if you're in your favorite one of my favorite bands is oasis and they want to be like the Beatles and the Sex Pistols. So their songs are just a synod- synthesis of those two influences, sometimes right on the nose, where it's like, oh, this riff is from that song. And I think... Oi, I'm a Sex Pistol, and I'm also <laughs> a Beatle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my favorite yeah. Oasis song. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, they pull it off. Heather, did you like it? Heather? <laughs> did you like it, Heather? <laughs> Fucking shit, man. This <laughs> this podcast. So what, I guess what I'm saying about this game is I couldn't tell if it was too close or not mm. to mm. Earthbound. Uh, there were times where I was like, oh, I, I mean, like, if I like an f- author and I want to write well, then I'm going to write like that author at least at some point in my career and then develop my own tone. But. I mean, the jokes are, like, not the same jokes as Mother, but they're the same jokes as Mother jokes. Oh. Right. Okay. Sort of. Uh, I, I don't, I, I don't, I, the only Mother game I played is Earthbound, which is the only one that was brought to the, uh, to, to the U.S., a port of the U.S. initially, and, and I never finished Earthbound, but you've played every same. entry. You've, you've played Mother, and you've played and finished I, Mother's 3. No, I did not, I did not play Mother 1. Okay. Uh, I've played Earthbound and I've played uh, and I've played and finished Mother Three, and it's it the ending of Mother Three is meta, in the way that this is meta in a way sort of different. I don't know. I don't want to spoil. It's hard to talk about this. I just yeah. bought you guys two copies of Mother <laughs> Three so you guys could play it because I was so like, we can't talk about this game without talking about Mother, on right. some level. I'm very excited. But, uh, look. I'm saying that I enjoyed the game, but there were parts of it where I was like, it, it, "Is this like? You're, are is, you saying it's like maybe it's copying too much, or it's just too close?" And yeah, it sometimes felt a little close. It felt a little, a little bit too, too much. But hmm. is that okay? Maybe that's okay. <laughs> I don't know, guys. Right. I don't the know. line between tribute and then just like a cover version. It's yeah. kind of you know, uh, and 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 yeah, I, I don't know enough about the the Earthbound series. 
um, the mother series to to speak on that. But yeah, that that's that's a that's an interesting POV. I will say that like, and and it, you know, I know it's going for an aesthetic, but uh, uh, the art style is like a little. I don't know. For me, I found the art style like a little abrasive. And I guess that's probably like intentionally so, but especially like in the combats, it goes to it goes to to monochrome, it goes to black and white with just some some color effects and like and I know that's partly like as an indie game a way to uh, uh you know make it a little bit easier to produce if you're a one man band, but um but the art but but like like I was surprised that there's so much fan art for this game because for me I did not find the game as visually appealing as I expected for something that has such like a rabid uh, a, a fan art community. But then again, maybe because it's just so minimalist, maybe that's mm. maybe people are like allowed to come up with their own takes on it. I think for me, I, I, uh, yeah, it's not my first choice is like what I like visually in a game. Uh, but like I did like the monochromatic, like fighting uh, display was like, yeah, definitely not what I first wanting to play, but like I thought that within that they did a good job of like uh breaking it up and and being creative in that space with like, right. you know, like the borders kind of don't mean anything sometimes and like the the actual character will shoot lasers at you versus like them just coming from within that space. I no, just, yeah, I thought that was cool. Yeah. I, I agree. the the gameplay and the gameplay and the combat I thought was like, oh, this is a really unique way of of approaching this and a way of of a game that you're supposed to that if you're playing on if you're if you're going for the uh you know the no kill run if you're going for the pacifist run as it's called a, and a, a way to still make the gameplay engaging while playing a, a, like you have to play a, basically aggressively defensively by dodging everyone's attacks and sustaining on your mm-hmm. uh, low HP. Uh, and then eventually fleeing combat or or mercying your exerting mercy on your your enemy. Um, that said, aesthetically, the the graphics aside, Toby Fox started as a composer, and the music is like my favorite part of the oh, game. I think the, the music, music yeah, is rip. so fucking good, man. Yeah, can we get a couple why don't of those? You play the, them, why don't you hit us with those tunes, Apodaca? <laughs> Which is what you were gonna say, Nick. So you, you could have said it. No, I like the way you said it. Matt's pulling yeah. out his one-man band costume. <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you smooth out some jams for us? Why don't let's, you... play the, let's play Snowden Town. Yeah, this is just nice. So tranquil, great RPG town music. Yeah. yeah. Um. Let's hear. Let's hear another track. And now, just to show sort of, sort of the range of these compositions, here's the final boss theme. <laughs> uh, just very triggering. <laughs> so I think you're hearing a lot of sound effects on top of that, but you get the sense of, yeah, this is the final fight. It's just this unrelenting barrage 
of offense you're getting from Flowey. Nightmare. Takes back, yeah, to Real the hell. But I think the music succeeds at evoking all the different, you know, uh, moods that it's trying to uh, throughout the game, throughout the, its different environments and its different scenarios. I think that the uh, the Snowden theme feels a lot like the Secret of Mana town theme, and I'm using that as the highest possible compliment. Hmm. Maybe all town themes sound the same. <laughs> you know, I will say, I found a YouTube playlist of RPG town themes that I was just using for, like, getting work done music, and I found it so calming. Because yeah. they're all in that same sort of pocket of just sort of, you know, letting you know that you're safe right now. There's a yeah. dangerous world out there, but here you can pull up to the inn and hear rumors about the king, and then you can go ahead and buy some potions from the item shop and you'll be just fine. Yeah. Hmm. So save your game. You know. You can save your game. <laughs> Get some ale or mead. Mm -hmm. Good times. So as the game maybe progresses, just live there. What? Maybe you just okay. maybe just spend the rest of your, your life there. <laughs> Jesus. Nick. You just abandon your quest and you just live in the town. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean <laughs> that that would be kind of an amazing video. That would be an amazing RPG. I'm sure somebody's done it. Where like you could you can continue on the quest or you can play a full blown life simulator in that first town yeah. and just get old. <laughs> That's like, so fun. Live there. <laughs> I gave up. I gave up. I didn't want to do it anymore. You want me to do what? <laughs> <laughs> this place is great and there's just no reason to leave. So, I mean, yeah, the Overlord remains a menace, <laughs> uh, and he could. You destroy the world at any time, but you know what? I like it here. <laughs> it also feels like time isn't passing, so I'll just stay. <laughs> <laughs> so we do we want to get into more of this plot? Yeah, which let's is keep that, going. Uh, uh, the human protagonist uh, leaves Toriel to go f find. All right, how do you say? Is it Asgore or is it Asgore? <laughs> I assumed I it was Asgore. 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 Not Asgore. As not Asgore? Well, it's not two S's. <laughs> right. Asgore. Yeah. Asgore. Asgore. <laughs> uh, and along the way, you meet two skeleton brothers, Sans and Papyrus. Asgore uh, is a website that, like, you got sent in 2002. <laughs> oh, <geez>. oh, <laughs> Matt just sent you some Asgore. Uh, if you want to play that. <laughs> You, you you meet these two skeletons. One is a, definitely your friend. You never have to fight them in combat. And the other one you eventually fight in combat. He's setting up a bunch of puzzles for you. His name is Papyrus. And then you, you challenge him or he challenges you. He challenges you to a fight. So did you guys... I had no idea when I killed Papyrus that it would come back in <laughs> such a haunting way. You killed uh, Papyrus? I'm so... Wow. <laughs> I didn't... <laughs> 
I had no idea what, like, why wouldn't I kill Papyrus? It's Wait, a fucking so monster I, skeleton. That makes me curious. Like, what did everyone do? Like, what what kind of run did everyone do? So I didn't do like. I ended say? up doing a. Yeah. I ended up doing a neutral run. What I what I later found was a neutral run where I killed some monsters, um, at, especially at some boss fights, and then and then spared most of them. Uh, but it's if you kill a single monster, it puts you in the neutral path. Like you have to get, you really have to be a complete pacifist to get I the went good pacifist. ending. Pacifist. Yeah. Wow. So that wow. worked out for you. And 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 Heather, I assume you kind of were also on the neutral side yeah, of things. Yeah, I was a neutral path because I had no idea that it, there was. For I didn't do any research. I didn't I know, know there were anything Papyrus other would than say that you were neutral. <laughs> Just, <laughs> <laughs> well. If you guys didn't kill Papyrus, then you don't know how much it comes back to hit you in the face. Tell which us. Is the, oh, no. like, so you go through this sort of like, as you get to the end of the game, you go through this sort of like moral questioning phase of like, Sans is asking you like, do you feel guilty about what you've done? Do you think that people oh. should be given second chances? Uh, like, do you like, because as I progressed, I've started sparing more and more monsters because I was like, oh, I don't know. This guy seems okay. So when I was as- answering these questions that Sans was Sans was giving me, uh, one of the questions was like, "Do you are, are you I I actually I have it saved to my Switch. I should just pull up the screenshot, but it was something to the effect of like, do you do you believe in goodness and do you consider yourself a good person?" And I was like, "Yes." <laughs> and like all caps, it says, "Then why did you kill my brother?" <laughs> Oh my oh, god. And then he leaves. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. There's horrible. no good answer to that question. <laughs> Man. Heather, gotcha. Yeah, I feel I like the skeleton brothers. They were mm-hmm. I thought they were like it around the time when you leave the the first area and you're like going into Snowden and you're in the snowy when you meet them, I guess, like I was, you know, I, I found that area like kind of fun and funny. Like they're, yeah. they're, they do a pretty, they're pretty irreverent in a way that's not annoying to me. I don't yeah, know. And I most of the, it. and there's a bunch of, you know, if it doesn't, if it doesn't click with you, a lot of the dialogues are optional. So, you know, um, the, you know, you can the typical, you can go around the, the town and, and chat up all the NPCs. I will say the brothers being the skeleton brothers, Sans and Papyrus being completely different scales really just threw me off like they're not like they, they don't even look one like the same type the of skeleton other? there's like a short there's like a short one a tall one but they don't like the like their features don't even line up as like the same art style it feels like it feels like they're mm. they're created by different artists like in their own their own bubbles i didn't know and there, there's i'm sure there's a point behind that but it, it just confused me and confounded me yeah i think so, uh, san says that his brother's wearing a superhero costume costume or something and that yeah. he washes in the shower every day or something like that. Yeah, basically he never takes it off. Um, do, you, so, do you guys know that there are... So when you play the game, there is a random number assigned in the programming to your playthrough. And depending on that number, each individual playthrough has different monsters that are like... And characters that are like individual to that playthrough. So if no you interest. get like oh. a, if it's like one to one hundred, and if you get like a ninety and above, there is a type of encounter and creature that you can only get on that playthrough. Um, that's fun, and huh. that, and I think that that tracks with what the. It, it seems like the goal of the game is is to have you replay it multiple times and have multiple experiences. And you mentioned Heather that you don't know like that we didn't know going in that you were supposed to not kill any monsters. 
but you do get that very like overtly at the end of the, the neutral ending flowey uh just basically tells you hey try to finish the game again w- without killing any monsters so you're very much prompted to try that and i think you might naturally experiment with trying to kill every monster after that doing what's called a genocide run by the way genocide run harsh. jesus i know <laughs> fucking brutal the game has a meta element to it in the final boss fight. So as you're progressing and you realize, oh, every action I'm taking with each of these monsters is being recorded, your save file itself becomes a topic of conversation for the monsters and specifically in the final battle when you are trying to defeat. So first you go up against Asgore and <laughs> uh, and you, you say you can try and... Say, you, you set him free or he needs a bunch of human souls so he can ascend. And there's a tragic backstory about how the monsters can't cross the barrier into the regular world. You defeat him and then you find out the true villain of the game is Flowey and Flowey begins to fuck with your save file. And that's yes. when the when the when the game becomes self-aware and he's like, I'm going to make it so that you can't reset from this point backwards, every time you load the game, you are only going to get killed by me over and over again. Yeah, in hindsight, it's like the the area going up to the final battle has almost a cartoonish number of save points. It's like yeah. you're going through it and there's like a save point on every screen and even with, with no combat in between them. So it feels like it's very pointed that that you're you're given that and then uh, your save file is is corrupted and he's basically forcing you to He's basically reloading your own save and forcing you to be killed by him again because he is, as far as I can tell, unbeatable. Maybe there is a way to actually beat him, but he really just seems like he's got overwhelming force. I mean, you beat him by the, like, virtue of the help that you are magically given, right? Right. Yes. Eventually, yeah. But, but like, conventionally, there's there's not, like, a a way to just best him. I hated it. I hated fighting him. It sucked. I know. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, this sucks. I'm like... having a bad time now it also like i mentioned some of the art looking abrasive this one feels like aggressively so like it is just like it's a it's a different it's a different uh aesthetic than the rest of the game um it's not just 8-bit pixel art it's it's you know got some some other elements in there um and it's just like it the screen is just filled with just like garbage it just like looks very ugly (laughs) it is very grotesque (laughs) and monstrous yeah it's like hr giger shit I feel like this game is so dense that it's almost impossible to talk about it in a single hour because Mm -hmm. once you beat Flowey, you have the option to release him or kill him. If you try and release him, you have to do it like eight to ten times to let him free and let him live, which in a playthrough where I killed half of the monsters (laughs) before I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Yes. Like the choice to give him mercy. I think he comments on like, why? Like, yes. why me? <laughs> He's flummoxed, and hit the quote he eventually gives is, if if you go through it enough times, is, if you let me live, I'll come back. I'll kill you. I'll kill everyone. I'll kill everyone you love. Yeah. And I'm like, this is me, 1.30 in the morning last night, like, trying to finish this game, like, ugh, fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, just, like, too tired to, for this weird turn right now. <laughs> But I uh, I spared him. I spared him. Yeah, I spared me, him too. I, th- me I think too. even yeah. 
it was it felt like the point was to spare him but i'd be interested to see what happens if you actually execute him as he seems to deserve more so than or really like alone among all the characters in this game the enemies in this game he seems like the one truly vile one uh by the way heather you mentioned that if you kill papyrus uh you eventually say oh the sands uh, uh you know fucking score uh, scold you for it but if you spare papyrus you have the opportunity to go on a date with Papyrus, which I found unnerving because you are pointedly a child. Yeah. Yes. A lot of monsters want to date you. Yes. It becomes like a yeah. weird like kind of dating simulator in a way where it's like, I think I'm seven. I think yeah. I'm seven years old. <laughs> Uh, the other, yeah, the other character, I think Alpha is the scientist who's kind of like obsessed with you too, and which yeah. seems like a romantic way. And again, you're you're just a kid. Yeah, it's weird. And like, I hate I hate the kind of the option that you get where you get thrown into that scenario, and either option is like too pointed in that direction of like you're actually like you, you flirt with them or like you say how they're cute, and you're you're like. Well, that's not one of the options I'd ever think of. So, uh, <laughs> okay. And none of you guys played it a second time, right? No, I didn't do a second playthrough. Even I though I was like, uh, I was like, oh, I, I, this is pretty clearly queuing me for a for a second playthrough. As I said, I watched the like true ending of it, but I didn't. I didn't play it again. Yeah. Apparently, all of the monsters remember what you did to them the first time you played. <laughs> like, their dialogue changes based on how you treated them in the first run of the game. And Weird. I think that continues over subsequent playthroughs. I can see why that would encourage... Giving them a sense of, like, uh, self-awareness would certainly encourage a rabid fan base. Yes. Because you feel, like, a real attachment to each one of these things. Right, totally. And also, you know, the the so the so-called genocide run, if you kill all the monsters, has some some cues in it, which where it'll be like if you kill enough monsters in an area, you'll get like a counter for how many monsters are left. So it's not like they're the random encounters will co go on uh, uh, continuously like in most JRPGs. There are a finite number of monsters in each area and you can go through and kill all of them. Wow. Um, and and in regard and whatever run you end up going in, uh, whatever direction you get there's a reveal at the end that exp which we're told were, were experience points are actually execution points and so it's like a ticker of like how many you know monsters you've killed over the course of the game so it ends up this this traditionally uh -huh. po positive stat becomes a punitive stat in the end game i get maybe that doesn't come up in the pacifist run no i think that came up but then they also had a different term for what level like love means oh like, yes I forget what it was, um, but it had an a equally like uh, opposite meaning. Uh, yeah, I didn't write that one down because I didn't think it was as clever, but I liked execution points. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did, wait. So what happened when y'all when you were done? Like, I'm, I'm wondering if I even got a different ending. Like, uh, I, I'm pretty sure you did because there's a there's a you know, there's a dis there's a discrete neutral uh the you did pacifist and genocide endings and then yeah there is that true ending so yeah i'm pretty sure you yeah i'm okay. uh, pretty sure you got something different yeah. well, what happened with I your what happened with your your ending well i mean you know you know the mercy options taken away i think everyone had that same sort of final like when you fought Ascor, you yes. just <laughs> beat him to an inch like until he was almost dead and then spared him that's what i did i don't know if, i mean and then flowey kills him and then 
and then had the horrible fight with Flowey and then spared him and that was the end of the game. Uh, and then it was saying like, yeah, you know, this isn't the true ending or whatever. Right. Um, yeah, there's like, I, there's, there's like an ending where you go back up to, I mean, like, we could just, we could just cheat. We could just look <laughs> at it. We, we don't get a, we don't get a talk about, we, we could just, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of endings to this game. And apparently yeah. I think one of them, you, you go up above with the souls of the other kids or something. Cause it's, there's a legend of how there are like seven other kids who have died and at one point you find their coffins. That was pretty morbid. Yeah, oh, Jesus yeah. Christ. This is uh, very much the kind of game where you're like, which route should I take? And then you take that route. I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep exploring down here. And then the first thing you find is a coffin with your name on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, I hated that. I did that. It's one o'clock in the morning. What am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, we should get to our final thoughts on Undertale. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. So we will each say one positive thing about this game, however we feel about it, and then give it a numerical decimal rating. I can go first. Uh, you know, obviously I like the music, but the positive thing I have is very specific. There's an NPC bear in the town of Snowden who has the following dialogue which I really liked. This is all his dialogue. This town doesn't have a mayor, but if there's ever a problem, a skeleton will tell a fish lady about it. That's <laughs> politics. <laughs> Great. I remember that one now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll give this game a, uh, you know, I, I, I admire its ambition and, um, I, and obviously I, I understand why people are, are so passionate about this game. Um, uh, even if my my own particular fandom is maybe not quite as rabid, but I I do did very much appreciate what it was what it was trying to do and and found it a very memorable gaming experience. I'm gonna give this an eight point uh, Heather Ann Campbell. Um, I so I've already spoken about how I I have there's a sort of like vibrating tension between whether or not this game is too close to right. Mother or if it's bit, just close enough. But my favorite part of the game is when the robot talk show host uh, <laughs> has a trap set for you where there's a bunch of different gifts, like a basketball and a dog and a little present, and you have to choose one of them. And I chose the dog. I was like, oh, I'll choose the cute little dog. And then the robot reveals the dog is a bomb by lighting its <laughs> tail on fire. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, this is, that's pretty charming. That's pretty good. That's a, that's a good little bit. There were a lot of little cute bits, you know, throughout the entire game. And I also liked the lore a lot. Like, I liked the story of the kids who came down and asked Gore, like, protected them and then a kid died and he tried to return it to the world above or maybe it was Azriel. I don't remember. There's some Kingdom Hearts level sort of like which monster in the past was the monster that I'm talking about. Um, but there's a deeply sad part where a monster tries to return a child's corpse to the human world and then the humans see the monster, assume it's attacked the child and attack the monster. And I like that sort of like melodramatic, melancholy, sad stuff. Um, 
I'm going to go with eight. Eight for this mm. one. Just like wow. just like Nick Weiger. Wow. We're on the Wait, same page. Wait, did anyone page. watch the true ending? No, I was I was torn between do I want to watch this or do I want to play through this again and and see it on my own. But I probably should have watched it just for the sake of of prepping for this episode. Gotcha. Uh, but what? Well, but what? But no. What? What was? Uh, I mean. I mean. You can. You can share your thoughts. Yeah, you, tell you watched us. it, right? I mean. Well, it's it's pretty interesting per, per what you just said. In the true ending, uh, like all your out the people you met come back and you like work together to to beat Flowey. But Flowey turns into the monster that got killed. Like Flowey was that guy who was killed. Mm. Uh, and like you know, there was like some kind of hint that like. He the kid died in like a flower field or something, and so it, it's like the son of Asgore and the the first person that you meet. I forgot her name. Toriel. Uh, Toriel is is Asriel, aka Flowey, which was an interesting thing I didn't quite see coming. Um, hmm. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I I thought that was interesting. It's like this is not the type of game I unfortunately want to play uh, multiple times. I feel mm-hmm. like. Right. Uh, there's so like I, I'm just not super drawn to like constantly reading a video game, uh, which is <laughs> maybe bad. But uh, I I also like found like I feel like if it, if you're playing like a lot of normal video games, uh, like just like more mainstream games, it's like fun to play a game like this to really break it up, especially because it's like the goal is to to be different is, is what right. it feels like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like it is I thought genuinely pretty funny like and there, yeah like there's so many like quirky little like interesting moments like I had uh, no space in my inventory and I bought a hot dog and uh, Sans just was like you know there, you don't have any space I'm gonna put it on your head and so then I had like a little hot dog just sitting on my head for the rest of the the like frame <laughs> uh, but yeah like I'm, I would be lying if I said I wanted to play nonstop just this type of game so I don't know. Even though I think it's good, I'd probably an eight would would be my score as well. Wow, wow. eight's all around. Uh, Triple eight. The, um, yeah, I feel like this, I I think I'm on the the same page, like a similar page where it's like I feel like this as as far as endlessly replaying this game, I feel like this it hit me at a certain point, and maybe this is where a lot of the fandom ca- come from comes from. But like I feel like if I play, got this game like in middle school, and who I don't fucking know. Maybe the, whole, the entire fan base is is childless 39 year old men like me but i but like i feel like if this hit me in middle school i would love this game and i'd want to replay it endlessly because i'd be like oh shit this is saying something about games that i haven't yeah. uh experienced before uh uh matt Abodak, oh by the way L, uh you asked about level what that stood for i looked it up level of violence that's what the, yeah. the reveal is <laughs> execution points and level of violence um matt Abodaka, your thoughts your score i so yeah i mean i when i started playing this uh, well, as I said earlier, I was very scared by the by Flowey. He's very like truly scared, um, yeah. and didn't know if it was this sort of game where I was going to be scared the whole time. But I wasn't just at that part. Um, and you know, I, I looked ahead, and I'm sure I'll be scared uh, once I do finish the game at some point. <laughs> um, but I I was really like I don't know. I was sort of immediately charmed by this game, and like I, you know, I don't know if it's. Not it's not necessarily a, the type of game that I love or or play a lot, but it was like something about it just really grabbed me. I'm just yeah, just really charmed by it. I really loved, um, just like it. Just I don't know. It's 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 scratching an itch that I didn't know I had right now, and I I I'm just I'm in love with it. I I I can't wait to finish it. Um, and <laughs> I 
<laughs> Except, you know, if I do get scared, I will be upset. But um, <laughs> but I, I also, I, I, the thing that I loved is uh, the character, the, the, the creature designs, I always, I thought were very creative and very funny. Um, the art style of them was, was very... Um, very different like some of them were just like you know an eyeball with like legs or whatever or you know like a, a like a a big buff dog with like a tiny yeah. dog did you watch head. monsters yeah. inc is that what you're talking about yeah i, I love okay so yeah so, okay i messed up i did watch monsters inc <laughs> instead of playing the game um but no and then there's the there's the one uh i think the monster's name is aaron and it's just like a buff like handsome horse with like a mermaid tail and it's just like very <laughs> <Right>. funny <laughs> that's that's a funny monster and I, I i i i was not doing a pacifist run i guess i was doing a genocide run uh, oh. but but i was Jesus but I, Christ. Christ. but i was I feel like you would know the, right you the would casualness know. with which you said that I, but i but, I but here's the thing killed everyone i was killing i was killing every monster in sight but i spared papyrus <laughs> I, I knew better than to, I was like I would never kill Papyrus he's so fun yeah you gotta uh, romance him uh, yeah then I you know went on my child date with him uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll give this I mean because I'm not done with it I'm gonna also give it an 8 but I, I wow. can easily see me giving this a 10 when I'm done with it I'm having the time of my life with this thing wow 8's <laughs> all around but hey Heather maybe we're wrong maybe we're wrong Uh, we've got reviews here uh, from other people on the internet uh, who had more of a negative take about Undertale. Uh, yes. And uh, I've got one, uh, if you want, if you don't mind me leading off here, Nick. Please. Uh, I've got one from the Steam store from Ailes Kib. Uh, Alex Kib. Alex Sib. Alex Sib. Anyway, it's not <laughs> recommended. The game is not recommended. Low score. 102 hours played. Uh, and the review says, cannot sex the funny bone man. Oh, God. In my head, <laughs> they've spent a hundred of those 102 hours trying to find the right path yeah. to fuck Papyrus. <laughs> well, it could be Sans. <laughs> Sans is also funny. So, you know, it, 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 who knows? Who knows which bone man that refers to? Um, yeah, either way, like even if that's if the the number of hours are are genuine and that's just a that's just a troll, still just the commitment to that bit uh is <laughs> jaw dropping. Um I've got another negative review. This is an anonymous one star review from Gog. Uh the uh the so no user the, the username was hidden and the title is Avoid the Pitfall. I'll just read an excerpt from this. I don't want it to be you. I wish I hadn't. In gaming since 1990, I now believe this is the worst evil I have ever let into my life. It may be too late to turn away the first wave of players, but for anyone else who's been through this, you're not alone. This program created persistent fear and shame, which have been difficult to overcome. Probably some players are more sensitive than others. After the first playthrough, for a while I called this my favorite game of all time. I thought it was cleverly designed when it pulled impossible surprises and toyed with my emotions, because unlike other games, I felt something real. I played enough to run through the pacifist ending three times in total. Once I finished and sent copies to my friends, intense depression hit me the same day for seemingly no reason. I couldn't get up off the floor for hours. Suddenly, every detail of the game looked backwards wrong. It was such a near-perfect mirror image of truth that it had the same appeal, 
but it was a distortion. There are many moral traps designed to induce crushing guilt for defending yourself, among other things, and in that world, the idea conveyed is that those sins can never be washed away, no matter how many good deeds or resets. Sounds huh. like someone like just spiraled into an <laughs> unrecoverable depression as a result of playing this game, which is a, I mean, a justifiable and earned negative review, I guess. If it's it so ruins your mental me, health. Yeah, it's interesting to me that this person came to that conclusion after beating it three times on the pacifist. Like they they had played the game so many times before they arrived to that conclusion. That's right. so weird. Yeah, just just immersing yourself in this world for enough, but then I guess eventually just just grappling with what it, how it made you feel. I don't know. I I I read that. And I was like, man, this is intense. If it's real, which well, on the internet, think, who knows? <laughs> I think it's also like his point's wrong that like you get shamed for defending yourself because the game also gives you the option to spare everything. Right. So like that's I don't think that makes sense to me. Yeah, you can still you can still have a pacifist run. You can still you know use your weapon in combat. You just can't execute a killing blow. You have to you have to exert mm-hmm. mercy. Um, Heather, do you have another one? Uh, I do, and it is a um, seems to be uh, uh, commenting directly on the review you just read, uh, <laughs> which is uh, a one star review from from Google. Um, it was rude and bad. There's profanity, which I don't like. And then underneath it, it says one person found this helpful. <laughs> Wait, was profanity? there profanity? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. If you think that review's questionable, maybe this one from Jackson Holt, one star. It's the worst game I ever played in my life. They should keep it in a storage unit. <laughs> <laughs> whoa that's a fucking burn that's if i've intense. ever heard one yeah um i have a uh, an excerpt from a polygon piece entitled games need to return to black and white morality by Hume oh, chan shit. <laughs> that's been going around this week uh at crapstacular if you want to uh, follow them on twitter um here are, here's a here's a little bit of uh, that of, of the of this article and then some that specifically pertains to undertale Bemoaning the lack of tension in stories around black and white morality, many writers believe readers prefer the unpredictability of gray morality, which is in stark contrast to the clear objective morality in black and white tales. There's the gray morality of prestige games like The Last of Us Part II and Bioshock Infinite, featuring characters that are a menagerie of trauma and barely disguised flaws, never able to rise above their own worst impulses. Their personalities blend together like sloppy gray sludge. The good guys are bad, the bad guys may be good, or at least well-intentioned, and it's all, well, gray. No matter how much developers prefer heroes and villains that are sympathetic, games already implicitly frame characters as heroic or villainous, even if they go out of their way to get us to sympathize with the villain or question the hero's motives. They go into more detail about how people, no matter, despite the uh, you know moral ambiguity around Joel Miller's choice in The Last of Us, uh, players instinctively gravitate towards his side because he is the hero of the story. Uh, but then continuing on, Undertale is one example, even as it lets you discover the limits of your morality. Here you can choose to be good or evil, either wholeheartedly embrace goodness through the pacifist route by sparing any monsters you run into, or lean into wickedness by slaughtering everything you meet, like Matt Abadaka. The game <laughs> doesn't believe in ambiguities. There's no conclusion to be had when you embark on a morally gray route of killing some monsters but freeing others. And if you decide to commit wanton genocide, it presents your decision as motivated by a force of incomprehensible darkness. 
There's no heartbreaking backstory that gives you any room to shrug and explain away your choice. The result is a deeply emotive narrative with many players feeling a palpable sense of discomfort even as they commit to a dark path. Wow. I feel like there are plenty of video games that are just about good and evil. Oh, 100%. And it's weird to be like, there should be more of them. Because like, Mario is not morally gray and neither is Dragon Quest or Final Fantasy. I mean, like big games are like still morally just like, let's march up and kill the demon king. Well, this piece also in its defense, it does, does also reference Mario as an example of something with black and white morality. But I, I will say that the I, I think that the 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 thrust of this is towards, uh, you know, what the article calls prestige games. Other people might call triple A games, which it, which is the kind of like it, it, it's the same thing you see in prestige television. The idea that like there's the that the, the protagonist is an antihero and that everyone is kind of operating in this sort of murky morality and the games have kind of adopted the same sort of thing because they feel like that's what you need for critical acclaim mm-hmm. which I, I think you've seen in a lot I, I i don't know i feel like you're seeing it more more frequently in in you know in triple a games are are i mean so people talk about like uh gaming's citizen kane or you know the great novel the great novel is when is when is video when are video games going to be have a great novel for you, you know what i'm saying here yes so like the novelization of citizen kane where right. game's gonna have that <laughs> but the, the, <laughs> well the point is that like i don't think that a lot of books or films that are heralded as great are ever morally unambiguous they're always gray and i feel like that's sure. because our experience of life is gray and that the best way to investigate our feelings about that grayness, about that lack of objectivity and absolutism is through that investigating how that gray functions. So it's weird to condemn a video game for starting to become mature and self-aware enough that they are investigating those avenues in a system that is generally up until this point been binary. Like so, this person is saying like they don't they wait they do or don't like the the nuance of of gray territory. Sorry, I I, I was uh I, I missed like the last part of it to be honest. Um, it's basically the the you know I think that the whole piece is is worth reading and 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 speaks for itself. So I don't want to speak too much for the authors. Uh, uh, try to 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 compress the uh, condense the author's point too much. But what I took from it was that this that feels like the the that you know the the gray morality has become kind of a uh it, it's become kind of a a a crutch or or even a cliche in in prestige yeah. games and then also it doesn't quite work because you as the player are always going to naturally sympathize with the player character and are always going to view the t- antagonist as a, you know on on a different moral level so it it never quite ha- it has the effect it intends to yeah, I mean, like, like you're saying with like novels and stuff, you can get in a person's head a little better than you can in a in a video game, right? Like, mm. uh, the yeah, I guess their choice wise, like, it doesn't really affect the game as much as it could to have that kind of grayness, right? Uh, I don't know. It, it it's not 
I I feel like yeah, like like the author saying like there is a bunch of bad TV where it's like anti-heroes and stuff. Yes, yeah, yes. low winter suns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I think the I, I like like for me I I think there there is room for both, but I also think that a lot of game criticism. And I'm not talking about this piece in particular, but I'm talking about just like you know the game criticism at large is takes its cues from film criticism and, you know, literary criticism, and it focuses so much on story, whereas I feel like games at some point are going to develop, we're going to develop a different way of talking about them where it's not just like a discussion of how it was effectively as a story. Because I feel like so much to talk about Last of Us 2, like so much of the discourse was like, oh, the gameplay is great, but, you know, let's talk about the story for 90 minutes, and we were guilty of the same fucking thing when we did our episode. Um, But, like, like, uh, the gameplay is the thrust of an interactive experience, and, like, I I don't know, I'd I'd be interested in a a kind of criticism that is able to balance both parts but not talk about them as as two two separate, uh, you know, halves with different weight. Uh, But then again, maybe that also speaks to how story is integrated with gameplay, because a lot of times we're seeing non-interactive cutscenes that are interspersed with interactive so we're naturally going to view them differently i don't fucking know yeah I, yeah it's one of those like i don't really know what the answer could be uh, yes just because the form is so different yeah it's almost as if we've settled on a sort of gray morality here <laughs> uh, uh genocide runs for every game maybe I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hey nick do you think it's time for the question block it is oh i was hoping you'd beding Oh, sorry, but ding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, this one is from at louisruiq 9 on Twitter. In Undertale, you can defeat some enemies by basically complimenting them until they don't want to fight you anymore. What are some of your favorite ways of defeating enemies in games? For example, my favorite is when you're able to defeat an elderly sniper guy in Metal Gear Solid 3 by waiting a week or two for him to die of old age. Yeah, we've discussed the end before. Um, yeah. uh, really cool ass boss fight. I, you know, speak in RPG territory. I like it when it's like, and and you know, you can, uh, you can like use a spell like reflect on an enemy, and then that mm-hmm. that'll be the way. Like there's a there's there's a boss in one of the Final Fantasies that just heals themselves repeatedly for a, a, a crazy amounts of damage. Um, and you can just cast a reflect spell on them. Like use it. Like I like when it, well, I like when it's something Ooh. like, oh, I'm gonna use a defensive technique in an offensive way. Uh, so you cast a reflect spell on them, and then all they just heal you throughout the whole battle, and then you can just fucking wail on them. It's like it's just like a fun puzzle solution. Uh, Heather, Heather, and Zach and Matt, anything anything come to mind? I like in Grand Theft Auto games when you like can drop a tank on somebody from the top of a parking structure. <laughs> 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 I like uh, yeah. The sort of emergent gameplay of Grand Theft Auto games in that it's like, well, what insane thing am I going to try and just like use these systems to allow to happen or like building ramps out of cars so that you can like land a car on somebody's head? I like that stuff. I sound like a psychopath. <laughs> it's like most of video games, like, yeah, I like using the gun and shooting the gun. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I mean, like, I'm trying to think if there's any, like, creative solutions that stand out in my brain. Like, I feel like there's there must be one in a Zelda game that I did, but I'm also blanking on it. Huh. Um, I wish I had an example off the top of my head, but no, I don't really have one. I feel like... I weirdly like mostly experience this kind of thing in 
in D and D, I feel like, mm. where there's mm. like you know, there's b- built within it is like the creative of ju- choice of just doing whatever, and so like often the solution feels kind of like that. But uh, it, you know, like describing improv sounds like a dream when you say it out loud. So <laughs> we can move on. <laughs> uh, Matt, anything comes to mind? I mean, my, come to my, mind for you? my favorite one is in the prompt, uh, and I experienced that on accident. Um, yes. Because uh, I was getting, you know, sniped at every turn by the end. And then I was, you know, I rage quit and then came back to it like a week later and he had passed away, which I didn't realize, you know, at the time <laughs> you hadn't read a guide or anything for it. So I didn't know that that was possible. And so when I came back to it, I thought that was just really funny. Yeah. Um, wow. But there's a, there's a they, they, a bunch of meta shit that, that yeah, the other big meta one boss fight that people think of with Kojima is, uh, is Psycho Mantis and Metal Gear Solid 1, which I did. Oh, Right. Not, I did not figure out. I needed to like look online how you're supposed to beat that. But you, ha- he says, like I can read your mind, and basically what he's doing is he's reading your controller inputs. But if you put the controller in the second in the second player slot, then he can't do that anymore, um, and he can't b- anticipate your moves before you do them. Wow. My my college roommate claimed to have figured it out on his own, and he's fucking full of shit. <laughs> but he said, but he said he did. Uh, but I'm sorry, Matt. You were in the middle. Of, you were you were in the middle of something. Can, was, continue your thoughts. Zach reminded me of one, um, and it was. I, you know, I famously have not finished Breath of the Wild. I don't know about famously, but I have not finished it. But there was a puzzle in one of you the... Know, that's the talk of the town. <laughs> I mean, everyone's talking about it. Uh, Biden couldn't add about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, just haven't, I just haven't finished it. I, I should do it. But yeah. um, the, there, was a, uh, there was one of the puzzles in one of the... I don't even remember what they're called. They're not called temples because that's the other one. Shrines. Uh, in one of the shrines where you, there's like a ball puzzle. Um and you have to sort of get a ball that's in a in the center <laughs> of like uh, it's like a fl- it's like in a little maze and it's like yeah there's float- a few of those that's yeah. like eighty percent of the shrines it's yeah like. <laughs> there's so there's one in the early part of it where I was just like having such a hard time with it but that I figured out that if I fl- if I somehow got the ball on the flat end of the of the puzzle i could shoot it just to where i want without manipulating the puzzle thing that took a few tries but when i finally did it i was you know it took like an hour or whatever uh, yeah. to try to figure it out but when i finally figured that out I, that was very satisfying as like a way to complete it even though they're te- they're telling you to do it a certain way but they're not telling you that the flat side is also part, part of it yeah, I I do love watching Breath of the Wild videos of people figuring out how to to beat shrines in ways you're not supposed to because of yeah. the real physics in the game. Um, hey, hit us up with your questions on Twitter and Instagram at GetPlayedPod or send us an email at GetPlayedPod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 616-2PLAYED. That's 616-275-2933. You know, we don't play a lot of voicemails on the main episodes, but we should play one at some point. <laughs> yeah, let's send some voicemails and I'll play let's it. Let's send Gosh some voicemails. We'll, we'll, do, we'll, do, we'll do that real soon. Uh, Zach Oyama, thank you so much for playing Undertale. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and and for spending some time with us here on Zoom. Anything you would like to plug at this time? Okay, I guess in general, like uh, watch the D and D show that uh, me and some friends do on on that College Humor streaming service. Dropout, uh, it's fun. Uh, it doesn't it seem like a dream because you can see it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's it uh, for me. Check that out. And hey, Matt. What's next week's game? Next week's game, Deadly Premonition. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, Bucket. Bucket.